right, welcome back to Walk-Ins. Welcome, my name is Nick Hort. I've got Michael Ray with me. We have a special guest, Sabrina Runbeck, with us today. Uh, This is an urgent care podcast all about helping medical practices and urgent cares triple their revenue through digital marketing services, exceptional patient experience, and now exceptional time management and energy level. Now you're making money, but you got to bring some back to you, right? Like kind of relax a little bit. And Sabrina's going to help us understand that. Right. Let me do a quick intro of our guest today. So after overcoming burnout, working in surgery, Sabrina Runbeck went back to her roots in neuroscience and public health, helping healthcare practices owners and their teams to develop mental immunity, which is so cool to me, uh, so they can do less, achieve more, and enjoy more out of their life. Sabrina's clients have stopped working on these endless to-do lists, constantly putting out fires, and now they're able to steadily move their practices forward. So if you are a practice owner and you want to gain back 10 hours a week and increase your team's productivity, you're on the right podcast today. Um, She is a consultant and a recovering clinician, more importantly to me also, she's a podcaster, a fellow podcaster. <laughs> she just relaunched her podcast on its 100th episode called The Provider's Edge. Sabrina, welcome to the podcast today. Hello, Hadel. Thank you, Nick and Michael, for having me. And thanks, everyone, for picking us to enjoy your next 20, 30 minutes. I love it. So in true fashion, whenever we bring on a guest onto the podcast, we have to ask our favorite question, what is one thing about you that nobody else knows oh nobody and else this knows. Is <laughs> well i think uh let's see i think i'm so open out there that a lot of things people do know um and then one thing that i guess i haven't talked that much is that um with all my past relationship most of them i am still friend with my ex Oh, wow. That's rare. That's pretty good. That's rare. So, so there's some secret tips on another episode of like a lifestyle podcast where how to break up and remain friends. That's going to be our next <laughs> of the entire series. Oh, That's awesome. I gotta love it. That's funny. All right, Sabrina. So, I mean, we gave a pretty good intro, of course, on what, what's, what's going on in your world, but kind of give us a little bit of a story. How did you get here? Like, what was the turning point for you? Yeah, great question. I think it's most people have some kind of turning um, point in their life and then they just like a bling, 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 right? Um, yeah. For me, it's that I'm such a busy bee as I growing up, uh, only child, only girl in the family, Asians, all my cousins are boys. So <laughs> naturally the competitiveness is there um, right. because the family wise is that, ah, oh, get a good grade, yeah, be smart, have a job, marry off, when do you have kids? And then me thinking, heck no. That is not my ideal life. And then I think that's the one biggest question I even talk to all my clients and my friends about is that, what does that mean for me to have my ideal life mission, career mission, and lifestyle all mingled together? That's the same, not separate entities. I don't have an excuse for everything. Now, back then, it's just my family are so much into you have to have a higher education and everyone's like masters, PhDs, whatnot. So I'm like, fine, I'll get the most amount of degrees that, uh, in the family. So two <laughs> bachelors, two masters later, got into medicine and I'm like, yay. And at the time, nothing really interesting but heart surgery. So when I came out, I'm also one of those who, before I got my medical degree in um, PA, I have four job offers, neurosurgery, 
uh, surgical oncology, intensive care, cardiac surgery, vascular surgery. So guess what? I just stay in surgery, right? Like, and uh, what I didn't realize is that when you actually got yourself into those high intense hospital where it's well, uh, world well known because there are patients fly in to us, some of them even have their own translator, right? Their whole like personal okay. care yeah. team. And you feel the sense of like, wow, this is exciting, right? You're doing some a big, amazing work. But that also come to when uh, my partner or supervising physicians now there, I'm working 30 days straight. I'm taking calls every day, weekday nights, and um, you, you don't stop. And you have no excuse to stop because the admin team is putting on, on you, right? And then also ourselves feeling like, I can't stop. If I stop, who's who the heck is going to do my job, right? And then yeah. if I ask someone else to do it, they're not going to do it as fast as me, or I, I they might not do get to the result as what I wanted. So all of those are actually just lies our brain created, right? It's not us. It's just that fear-based of us, of uh, both from the system issue of how we treat medicine and also ourselves. We're putting ourselves into such a high standard. It's harder to even give ourselves that reality check. So uh, to the point, I remember one morning, it's hardly eight o'clock and I just feel so drained. And uh, I was still scrubbed in my hands inside a patient chest, just staring at my patient, going for it. Is it back? And then people's like, oh, yeah, Sabrina's not talking. Usually we're, uh, we're the one who's like, oh, yeah, play music, right? Get into the mood, like get going. I was just like, nope, let's just finish this, right? As soon as possible. Um, and they were taking pity on me and just putting cough drop and DQL under my mask. And the next day, I just really couldn't do it. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, it seems like a net sweat all night long. I guess I have to tell myself to take a day off. Now, I know there are cases still going, but we have the contingency of having additional first assist that they can call. However, it's still a burden, right? And then the time of you feel like, oh, shoot, you have to burden someone else to do this. And at the same time, when I have to call out sick, uh, my uh, manager was like, oh, you didn't thought to tell us sooner? Like, oh, okay, great. Yeah, we can all plan our sick days just like our patients, right? Um, <laughs> but um, it's, it's that time where I start thinking, wow, is this the way that I want to live? Is that the way that I wanted to serve? Is that who I am now? Right? Like it's just doing and going and then don't know when to stop and how to stop or e even like how to deal with myself and other people. So then I started taking a step back and went back to my root in neuroscience and public health before I got into medicine, where my thesis from more than 10 years ago were on self-care, self-management, stress management, and self-efficacy. Then you're thinking, how the heck did we forget all of that, right? Like all of, I all of the things that you were trained on have gone. <laughs> right, gone, right? Like, so everything. Thing is about situational and then do we just made an excuse of oh no this is acceptable because that's what everybody else does right if you're the first one to leave you're the weak one right is that really quote-unquote weak where we just actually don't know how to manage our time and then see what's most important and then take on way too much that's actually what 
my clients call that it's just like oh 80 percent of the dreadfulness and then yeah and that's why we lose freedom right like we lose a sense of who we are our identity and then then we start losing the reason why we even got into the field from the first place so i start getting more of individual training and looking into performance sciences to see how can we get to a better place from all the people who are executives athletes entrepreneurs and other people in medicine how come they function pretty well right people are able to get to both the career success and lifestyle how are we doing in the least amount of time and effort getting the biggest result and that's how i created my six core foundation and then working through uh, both myself and with my clients in private practice because i use these models in larger organization, changing the team, the culture, operation. But we know, right, the larger systems always have red tags, uh, tapes all around. You go through multiple hoops, weekly meetings, and then six months to a year later before something happens oh, yeah. versus private practice, they see it. They have that entrepreneurial spirit and they understand everything you don't do everything you do have a significant impact both on their team and on how people are our patients perceive and their satisfaction so sabrina let me back up just a hair because you just dropped all kinds of knowledge on us but one of the things that you were talking about early on is what the cycle starts with a high purpose a high need like you're really making a difference and then this fear-based delegation sets in. Like, I'm afraid you're not going to do it the way I would do it or as good as I would do it or whatever. And then from there, it's, am I burdening my team? I've gotten to the place where I'm okay to delegate, but am I putting this off on them and I'm causing damage to their workflow? And then next thing you know, you're stuck in a burnout. Mm -hmm. Does yeah, that, that pretty yeah that, that is so right. And, and I think two weeks ago, I had a uh, hour-long conversation with uh, a nephrologist who has a really big team locally. And um, the same thing happens also because we have generational differences, right? Mm -hmm. The perspective, um, the way that we talk, the way is acceptable, not acceptable. Um, he was having a lot of issues with his new docs because he's thinking, you know, they come out, residents become a doctor, they are a doctor, but do you know what they do to me? I try to talk to them, they're on their phone scrolling and then i said all right so in psychological terms we call that fobbing well i don't care what your kids call that it's disrespectful i'm like i i understand to you the action of fobbing is disrespect but without us categorize this behavior people can't study it can't call it out if you don't know how to call out a behavior then we won't recognize what we don't recognize. Sometimes it's so subconscious, right? You're simultaneously trying to communicate, trying to do things while you're doing everything else. That just, of course, not possible. Man. Yeah, I've never heard of that before. <laughs> and, uh, the next thing we do whenever we get off of this call is I'm going straight to YouTube and I'm like, what is fobbing? <laughs> I need to know. That's awesome. So, uh, Sabrina, so uh, what you do what you, uh, in the past with the heart-related stuff, so that, that's I have a personal story tied to that time to a lot of respect for the work that y'all you've done. Uh, so my wife has tricuspid atresia and she had the Fontaine or it's a Fontaine or Fontaine uh, procedure when she was a kid. And so like, she has to see a cardiologist every single year and a liver specialist and everything, but 
you know, Grant, that work that was done when she was a kid means that she's alive today. So like there is a lot of pressure there. Mm -hmm. Like you are changing people's lives or saving their lives in a lot of different ways. So it is hard. It's like I need to take care of this person. But then if I don't take care of myself, how can I take care of that person anyway? That cycle. Yeah, because when your hands are in somebody's body and you're like <laughs> having a moment, like that's not good. <laughs> and then you'll be surprised that we all done it, right? Like even might not be as severe as surgery, but if you think about walking around people who don't feel well, right? No matter what type of specialty or type of career that you have, you feel like, oh, it'll go away, right? I even remember one of my patients who's like early 30s. And then, so I believe when you see people getting sick in your age group, then it hits home, right? And I remember going in just like consult comes in, right? We typically review the patient's chart and see what's going on. I'm like, oh, this guy's young, right? Like he already had three open heart surgery and walks in two kids on the floor, Wife is uh, at bedside. He's wearing an oxygen mask and hunched over. And of course, they're nervous wreck. And they start losing the trust in the healthcare system already because he keeps needing reduce because he had an infection in his mitral valve. And um, initially, they just thought it's a cough and cold and start just going to the ER, didn't detect until like second, third visit and then full-blown infection. And then the disease was so bad that he kept needing to have redo surgery because it was breaking down his valve so bad, right? And then that's one of the patients who I saw every day for a whole month um, because he was that sick, but to the point that he was able to go home and resume work, that's amazing, right? But you also know any age, any point in your life, this thing can happen, not because who you are, right? Many doctors, even I believe there's a Hawkins study shown um, 60% of primary care physicians are actually overweight or obese. And they found a correlation between that and patient satisfaction decrease and trust in healthcare provider because they, the patient believes when their providers are overweight or obese, they're not actually getting advices on better healthy diet, exercise, those additional healthy living way, like what do we call them lifestyle medicine? Yeah, it's like, yeah, they're not practicing what they're preaching essentially. So it's hard to believe somebody when they're not actually doing it. So I, I get that. Like, it's kind of like, why would you go uh, have a workout trainer that's doesn't, hasn't worked out in the, or doesn't look like they've worked out in the gym ever. <laughs> Sabrina, our, I've got three boys. My, my oldest is 14. When he was a baby, we had to find a pediatrician and we had the coolest pediatrician, but he always smelled like a cigarette. Always. <laughs> he was the, he called our kids boogerheads and just, he was like the greatest guy. And, but I'm telling you as much as I loved him, I didn't want my son around him because he smelled like a bar <laughs> and the credibility gone. I don't care if you smoke. I'm not here to judge that. What I'm saying though, is like, if we know what we know, why are you doing that? <laughs> Right. You know, and that's, I mean. a, that's a big thing about uh, our self-identity is the uh, incongruency of our behavior and what we are speaking and approaching, right? Like what we're hoping people to do, the big idea, but our own behavior. So the, uh, the separation of those two can make us feel less confident. And right. that part of us, right, hurts our identity of who we are. And therefore, of course, your judgment 
come into play. And um, the big issue when um, we think about productivity efficiency is about decision fatigue. No matter what, right? These uh, our offices, our team, phone calls are endless. Whether you pick up yourself, you have a secretary, your nurse uh, MA pick up, they still have to report back to us and then to make a decision, right? Mm -hmm. And then while you're constantly interrupted, uh, there's steady uh, variation between shift tasking, right? When people multitasking, multiple browsers switch back and forth, that takes minimum eight seconds. But if you actually have a whole event being interrupted, it sometimes can take up to 28 minutes to get yourself back to that state, right? Whatever you were doing, because our mind, guess what? Are constantly going, right? And constantly have all multiple thoughts. And majority of the thought actually studies show 80% of the thoughts were from previous day and previous event. So we never really allow ourselves to have that fresh start unless our train our brain to do that. So if we constantly being bombarded with decisions, thoughts, then how can you actually be so accurate to say, I need to do this. I only focus on this. Therefore, I already done it instead of being pulled by multiple directions. Man. And that kind of rolls into a question I was going to have. So you talked about burnout uh, right now with the, the pandemic and COVID and things like that. I think burnout is at all time high for physicians, if I had to guess. Uh, from your standpoint, you know, we talk about it, but you actually have like a game plan, a way like how to fight this and go across. Like, talk more about that, like actual action steps that people can start taking that helps them get away from the burnout itself. Yeah, I just believe it's not really about burnout. There are so many amazing people, psychologists, doctors are treating burnout and preventing burnout. What I believe is a time management issue and really a leadership issue that how do we see ourselves to gain the personal efficiency and then focus on practice efficiency? Because at the end of the day, all of, what, of us like to be recognized, be appreciated and go into the next level where we want to be and truly need to be and not being stuck at wherever that is. Just yeah. because we can figure out a way that we can feel better, but that feeling better part is so brief. Um, earlier on, I was talking on a, a podcast about event marketing, right? And then if you think about how do you connect with people, either new or existing, and when we are so goal-oriented, focused, then um, we feel when, when we ask people, once you achieve that one goal, how do you feel, right? People might say happiness, joy, uh, peace of release, whatnot. But what they are actually feeling that peace of joy is so short lasted, right? Uh, of hundreds of people that I've spoken to, whether it's a conference individual, I always ask this one, and I would love for you guys to even think, the very last time that you feel really awesome, right? Like just something happens, great, awesome. How long did that last? Is that Not even a week? Yeah, maybe a day. We hit, we hit, <laughs> uh, it's so amazing, Sabrina, that you brought this up. We we hit a major milestone in our business Q4 of last year. Yeah, we did. And we celebrated it and we made a big deal about it internally. We celebrated all the work we put in. And then it's like immediately after we finished the celebration, it's like, well, okay, we did it. Well, what's next? What'd you say what an accomplished goal does? 
or like the most. Oh gosh, I wish, wish I could remember uh, that quote now. But it was like the most demotivating things. It is <laughs> um, hitting a goal stops progress. Yeah, like check the box. Now what? <laughs> exactly, because our natural tendency is like, ooh, it's exciting to check box. Right. Just like when you start thinking, I, I don't like people to make to do lists because it's endless. They never get through them. Yeah. And but it feels good when you're like, tick the box. So some people would do is like they finish something and then they write it down just so they can click the box. Right. And then it's like, OK, I can move on to the next <laughs> thing now. Right. Like I rewarded myself. But it's actually you're, you, you only rewarded for that two second checking box, and, but not really feeling the accomplishment of I did it. Right. That's two very different things. And also joy is something very internal, very short lasting. It's excitement, yet joy. But true happiness is something you had to sustain. It, right. That that's a, a peace part. That's like fulfillment part. Um, so when we're thinking about not having chaos, it's about the sixth fundamental, I would say, number one is how do we redefine desire? Number two, how do you generate endless momentum so you're not always a starter but a finisher? Mm. Number three, mastering your psychology that you're be okay and honest about your personal tendencies. We say there are 10 sabotaging tendencies from a positive intelligence standpoint and be okay to say, oh yeah, I have these. But once I recognize I can call them out, I can shut them down. But if I don't recognize that I fester out, then it's what we usually do. Oh shoot, I should have said that. That could be done differently, right? <laughs> but then it's like hours, days later, then you start criticizing yourself even more. And uh, I never get into that sage part, right? The empowerment part of our brain. Number four is understanding that everyone is different and we want to figure out our uniqueness, uh, both from inner strength, our natural energy cycle, and understand that there are only two to three hours in a day that are peak performance hours. Yeah. Most people waste them. They have no idea what when they are. And if you actually focus those peak hours in your peak performance hours, you have at least three times of more productive than any hour other day, right, in your cycle. That's based on sleep pattern, your activity, whatnot. And also you can train yourself to boost this energy within two to five minutes um, from various uh, activities, mindfulness and whatnot. And then it's about, okay, so if we know where we need to go, how to consistently go there, remove my uh, psychological <laughs> uh, profiling from stopping myself, and I'm at the best energy level that I can have. That is what, I love this sentence, uh, four seasons says, systemize all the predictable so you can humanize the excellence. So what that means, how do we create that simple system? And now I use what's called freedom compass. And the compass really have four quadrants and the desire zone, distraction, disinterest, and the driveful zone. The driveful zone makes us feel like, darn it, it's just my obligation. It makes me feel discouraged. I don't wanna do it, but it feels like I still have to, right? right. Um, and the desire zone is really the, part we need to spend 80% of the time, but most people don't because they feel like I couldn't, right? But the couldn't is just a thought that we created in our mind. Again, it's our judger. And our judger, I make everybody create a name for their judge, right? Because we constantly judge ourselves other. So my is the 
itty bitty shitty committee, right? My choir is <laughs> always chiming at me and I'm like, uh-uh, take a break, right? Awesome. But if I can call that out, right? Someone, a client would say like Dr. Tony's emesis or um, someone that they don't like, they're like, oh, I'm gonna say that's the Christina chiming at me, right? Like, so whatever name that you can create and knowing it's just a persona that you created, it's not your true self. You can take control of how you change your attitude behavior. And then um, it's understanding what's truly in that desire zone it, and what are the things that cause and are the distraction, disinterest, and drive fall. So then we can focus, right? Now you have a compass. Now with the compass, what do you do next? It's called the focus funnel. So that means how do you daily get rid of these things that are not producing your result or very low out result with a lot of effort, right? That's the opposite of what we want. And number two is delegate. Now, when we delegate, then we have to understand our tendency of not pleasing other people when we're delegating, not over-controlling, not have the stickler of being perfect all the time, mm -hmm. not feeling like, oh, if I don't say it, maybe they'll figure out and then problem will just <laughs> go away, right? So like understand all these things when you're delegating and so truly creating that trust and also be okay for other people to fail and catch them when they do so you can create that bond and then they can really truly want to learn instead of feel be down and judge themselves. Um, and then is after that is delay. So that means if this task will produce your time, produce your uh, result in the future, then yes, of course you have to concentrate do it now. But if it's not, even extra five minutes is robbing your time, right? Um, so it, when you put into a focus funnel, then you realize, oh, that's simple. I only have four choices instead of 10,000 choices right. to make. Yeah. Um, and then lastly is about how do you be a talent magnet, right? We know not all A players should be in the room. Uh, together, they're not gonna create synergy. So how do you be a beacon that people wanna come to you because you are you? And it stand out so much that even between um, when you are creating team, attracting patients, colleagues, referrals, what do you say? How do you say it? How do you listen strategically, not just listening, that people wanted to be with you and actually want to work? Because the biggest misconcept is we have to motivate our team. No, people needed to have an innate wanting to be in the same mission together. It's not about motivating them, but figuring out what are their basic human needs? How do they like to be appreciated? What are their drive, their talents? So then you can highlight those. So they also work in their own desire zone without you having to figure out everything. Yeah. I, I don't think I've taken this many notes in an interview in a while, if ever. <laughs> and that was the fastest 25 minutes episode we've ever seen <laughs> that was fantastic Sabrina, <laughs> you've dropped so much value uh on the podcast today um <laughs> we're almost i mean <laughs> that's amazing very, very impressive but here's the cool thing is that we have a whole audience of people who are not delegating well they're not working in their strengths they're not attracting the right type of talent or they have all a players and they're fighting like cats and dogs 
and you have a system called the Laser Focus Advisory Program. And I would love for you to take a few minutes to talk about that and how they can access that. Yeah, so I think people come to me either and they're like, gung ho, let's do this. You you fix me everything, right? Like uh, you just do all the diagnostic and, and like work on it. I'm like, fine, you know, when you're ready in that state, you can do my master program, that's two months. But a lot more people are more like, hey, I just needed you help whenever I need it, right? I want to so get my time focused decision within like sure duration. And that's why we do laser focus 15 minutes. And that's like unlimited year long support. And because that's the core back in your corner, you're keeping yourself accountable while I'm being your mental fitness support for the whole year. Whenever you need something, you call me and you also get unlimited voice and message support as well. Now, um, if at some point that you know you need more support, happy to go from other, but most people want the, I'm not sure how to talk to this new onboarding person. They've been with me for three months. It doesn't seem like they're hitting their marks, right? Like how do I have that conversation? Um, or the time, hey, you know, I have two projects. This seems to be great. Should I implement it? How do I make all the decisions? That's so good. Yeah. So how can we uh, point people in the direction to go find out more about this? Because I know that you offer online learning, one-on-one -on -one advisories, virtual summits, in-person workshops, accountability, mastermind retreats, all the things. But if they just want to learn more about how they can get 10 hours a week, that's 40, 40 hours a month. That's a whole week of your life back a month, right? Mm -hmm. uh, work week, for example. Um, how, do, how can we put them in the right direction? Where do they need to go? Yeah, they can, uh, for the full focus, they can visit sabrinarunback.com forward slash focus. Uh, otherwise, if you wanted to have a quick chat to see if uh, you, what type of level of support that you need, maybe you don't even know, right? You just uh, like, I'm doing really well, but how do I get into the next level? Happy to have a quick conversation and just go to my Calendly, uh, calendly.com for slash Sabrina Rombach. And we'll, and we'll put that in the description on the podcast itself. So make sure people have an easy way to click the go. But yeah, what y'all heard there was sabrinarunback.com slash focus and your Calendly as well, which means if it's Calendly, that's a real direct link to your calendar. So you can actually talk to her. So don't be afraid, but that's awesome. I love it. Sabrina, we have had an outstanding time meeting with you today. I hope this isn't the only time we get a chance to meet. Maybe there's some opportunities in the future for us to uh, oh, yeah. to work together on podcasts. I would love to have you back on ours for sure. Um, thank you for taking time out and talking to our audience. Absolutely. It's been fantastic. Like I said, this is probably one of the most note intensive uh, interviews we've had. So I love it. Absolutely love it. This is one of them we have to rewind a few times. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, clinic owners patient providers. Listen, what you do matters. All right. Find a way to get some of that time back in your calendar so that you don't burn out so that you can manage your time so that you can continue to make an impact on yeah, your community. You're humans too. You yeah. need care too. So, all awesome. right, with that, we're going to wrap it up. Sabrina, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much, guys. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah.